Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our friend Nick Wagner covers the San Francisco 49ers for NFL Nation on ESPN.com joins us. Nick is a busy guy. You hear him a lot on ESPN Radio throughout all of the different platforms. So we appreciate him taking some time this morning. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm good, guys. It's uh, Randy, always good to be with you. And, and I haven't caught up with my guy, Kerry, in a long time. So, uh, it's been a while. Happy, happy to yeah, happy to hear he's back in the uh, back in the booth with you there, though. Randy, back when back when I was around, getting paired with Kerry was a punishment, though. So I, <laughs> I, want, I want to know what you did wrong, my friend. <laughs> so actually, uh, CD. He promised not to knock me over with one of those vicious blocks that he had when he was a member of the Steelers. Hey, I want to start with this because you heard the the Roquan Smith story, and Fred Warner has already gotten his deal from the Niners. Uh, they have to feel pretty good, right, about getting that deal done. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. My first thought when I saw Roquan Smith's statement this morning was, Man, I wish Debo Samuel had been this forthcoming and told us what he was so upset about. Uh, we, we still don't know exactly what Debo was mad about. But, uh, yeah, Roquan Smith, you know, it's funny. The, the, the Sometimes being a first-round pick can work against you a little bit. And in his case, being that first-round pick, then the Bears had that fifth-year option, whereas the Niners didn't have that with Fred Warner. He was a third-round pick, so it kind of sped up the schedule and got him paid a, a year ahead of time now. The Niners could argue that's good because it saves them money because, obviously, deals usually go up. And I'm guessing that's what Roquan Smith is expecting is to to top what Fred Warner got. Uh, But either way, that's a really good player. And I don't feel like the Bears are in position to let really good players go, but uh, what do I know? I don't know. It seems like a a strange strategy here. So, so Nick, you talked about Debo and, and the saga that was, you know, throughout the summer. No, no info as to why he didn't sign, why he wasn't willing to sign, but he's back in the fold now. What do you expect from this team, and what do you expect from him uh, going forward? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, Kerry, because just through the first you know, 10 days of camp here, uh, Brandon Ayuk has been the best receiver on the field for the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a knock on Debo. It's not a knock on George Kittle. Uh, it just kind of speaks to the level that Brandon Ayuk has taken his game to. And you kind of saw that toward the end of last year, um, but, but Samuel was still kind of the focal point, you know, some of the stuff he was doing in the run game. And uh, I, I think part of this for Debo, it's going to take a little time for him to get on the same page with Trey Lance. You know, Brandon Ayuk spent the entire offseason, really the past two offseasons, working out with Trey Lance in Southern California. And you can look at that and say that's a, a smart political move, uh, <laughs> but it's also a good move in terms of getting on the same page and getting timing down and things like that. So, um, this is a team, though, Kerry, you said, well, what are my expectations for the team this year? This is a team that should be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Um, and I saw enough bad football to know what that looks like, and I've seen <laughs> enough good, good football now to know what it looks like uh, while on the practice field. And defensively, they have a chance to be really special. I think they could be 2019 levels of good where they're a top two or three defense in the league. 
They went out and got Charvarius Ward, the corner from Kansas City in the offseason, which has really helped solidify that group because that was kind of their big weakness last year uh, was that cornerback. But Nick Bosa is, is you know, I think going to be a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate. They're, they're loaded really at every level of the defense. And then offensively, they've got all those weapons that we just talked about. They've got a good run game. The question, of course, the big question is going to be Trey Lance, and, and I think also the interior of the offensive line, which I won't belabor because I know that's not a sexy thing to talk about <laughs> on the radio, but, but, uh, that, but that's tied to the Trey Lance thing too. And So I think what you're going to see a lot of is the Niners just hoping that Lance can kind of keep a steady ship, which is a lot of what Garoppolo did, and then get better as the year goes on. But this is not going to be a situation where they're asking Trey to kind of carry them. He's going to be uh, as much of a passenger as, as Jimmy Garoppolo was, just don't mess it up kind of thing. Nick, you said being with me was punishment. I think it was punishment for both of us when we were watching the team that we were watching at the time. So I think that's where the punishment came from. The, the saga with Debo is, is is over, but the saga with Jimmy G is still there. What's what's the what's the outlook for him, and and is he still on that roster? You know, come start a season, or or do they find a way to move him? Yeah, Kerry, the one thing with the Jimmy situation that hasn't happened yet, there hasn't been any sort of deadline that they have to like make a decision by, right? So they've just kind of been in this holding pattern. And look, if he hadn't had to have shoulder surgery back in March, he'd have been gone already. Like There was a couple of teams I know that were interested in him as far back as January. Then when the shoulder surgery thing came out, they backed off and they made other deals and picked up other players. And so uh, right now, I think the 49ers are kind of in a similar position to what the Eagles had when they had Sam Bradford and Carson Wentz a few years back. And, you know, Teddy Bridgewater got hurt, unfortunately, in Minnesota. And then the Eagles ended up getting a great deal uh, for Bradford because the Vikings were desperate. So that's something that, you know, the Niners, I'm not saying they're hoping for an injury, but they're kind of hoping for an injury. So, uh, I, I, but the other thing that, that is at play here, and I think the thing that everyone is waiting on right now, is what happens in Cleveland. And um, I was told that there was, a, from both Garoppolo camp and the Niners camp, that they were kind of hopeful that, you know, if Deshaun Watson got a longer suspension, that Jimmy Garoppolo would be a real option to land there. And I still think that's the case. But six games, the initial suspension is kind of on that border, that fringe of is this long enough for them to feel like they need to make that move. Uh, but if it gets pushed to 10, 12 or more, I think then you start seeing that come back. And, a lot of people say, well, why would they want to trade for him? Why would they want to take on that contract? Well, first of all, nobody's taking on the contract. Kenny Garoppolo has zero guaranteed dollars in his contract right now. So you can look at it and say, oh, his salary is $26 million. None of it is guaranteed. So he, would, he, has, he has plenty of motivation to agree to, let's say, something like 7 to $10 million with some actual guaranteed money because that's better than zero guaranteed dollars. So I don't think that's going to really be – much of a sticking point. It's just, is there really a market to the Browns weighted out? And then if, the, if that happens, do the Browns want to compete with, say, a Seattle that might also be interested in Jimmy? Probably not so much in a trade, but if he were to become a free agent or even a team like Pittsburgh, Gary, that, you know, their quarterback situation, <laughs> if, if everyone's saying Mason Rudolph's your best guy, guess what? You don't got a guy. So, uh, that's, they, you know, and that's a, that's a very Steelers-like move, weighted out, and then get a guy at a bargain, and you might have something that way. So, Still a lot to kind of play out there, but uh, I, I don't think we're going to see anything until this Deshaun Watson thing gets settled. And then after that, they really have to make a decision by week one when that salary would become guaranteed. Well, that, that was going to be my next question as far as the, the contract goes and the salary. If he were traded now, would that, be, would that mean that the Niners uh, eat a portion of that salary and, and, as he goes to the next team, or, or how does that work? Is he available yeah, no, to, to sign a new contract? Yeah, it's, it's different than, like, the Baker Mayfield situation. Uh -huh. Baker Mayfield is all guaranteed, right? 
So Jimmy has no guarantees in his contract. So you, you probably saw the report from Adam Schefter a few weeks ago that, that Jimmy Garoppolo's agents have permission to seek a trade. Well, that's been true since March. Like and the reason that that's put out there is because it's sending a clear message of, hey, we're willing to renegotiate here. We're, gotcha. we're, you know, we're willing to do a deal. And so I think what will happen is it would just – that whatever his, what's left on his deal would just get torn up, and then he would get to go somewhere where he would get – you know, a decent little chunk of money that's guaranteed. And then I'm sure a little, you know, heavily incentive-based. Let's just say it was Cleveland, for example. If you start X amount of games, you get this. If you start X amount of games, you get that. That kind of thing, um, which it would give Jimmy some guaranteed money. But I don't see a scenario in which the Niners are going to eat any money here because it's just, frankly, it's just not necessary. Edwardsville native and Mizzou product, Nick Wagner, our friend of ESPN.com, joining us on 101 ESPN Talking Niners. Nick, I'm trying to connect dots here. And I know that in his only full year playing quarterback at the college level, Trey Lance ran for 1,100 yards. I also know that Kyle Shanahan had RG3 as a rookie in Washington as the offensive coordinator there. Can Is it reasonable to expect Trey Lance to be used the same way RG3 was in Washington? Um, I think there will be some similarities, but not to the extent. Um, first of all, I'll put it this way. The Shanahan's were not on board with taking Robert Griffin III. Right, right. And, Kyle, and Kyle Shanahan very much was on board with taking Trey Lance. And part of the reason was, yes, the athletic skills, the arm talent, all that stuff, but also they feel he's an elite processor. He's a really smart guy who can sit, who can sit in the pocket and deliver the ball, which is the, the thing Shanahan values the most in a quarterback. Now, I say that to say I think the offense, as it actually looks schematically, is going to look the same, wide zone, play action, rollout, bootleg, all that stuff that are staples of the Shanahan offense are still going to be there. But I think it's going to function differently than it did with Jimmy Garoppolo, and it kind of has to. So uh, I always I always use the example of, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, his completion percentage was always really high, you know, upper 60s, something like that, low 70s even, uh, I think, one year. And Trey Lance is probably going to come in at like upper 50s, right? It's going to be a pretty substantial drop probably in terms of that, because there's accuracy issues that he needs to work on. There's a lot of cops to Josh Allen, early Josh Allen, um, that I think are fair. Uh, but what, but where they're going to make up for that is is what you just mentioned, his legs, and adding the deep ball, which, frankly, Jimmy Garoppolo just didn't take many shots downfield, and when he did, uh, it wasn't very successful. So I think their hope is is that they'll have, you know, on third and seven, where Jimmy Garoppolo might hit, you know, a quick dig route or something to Debo for a, a first down, maybe Trey Lance will end up having to take off and, and run for that seven yards to keep the chains moving or something like that. So, And you won't see as many 16, 17, 18-play drives um, as you did with Jimmy Garoppolo, but the hope is, again, you'll get one or two-play drives where you hit those big strikes down the field. So I think that, that's what I mean. I think it's going to look the same, but I think it's going to function a little bit, uh, quite a bit different with, with Trey Lance in there. Hey, Nick, one more thing. Obviously, Kerry's favorite team is the Steelers, but there are very few teams that have fullbacks, and the, the 49ers are one of them, right? And they've got the best yeah. guy. So I would think that yeah. Kerry would have a natural attraction to the Niners because of Kyle Juszczyk. I thought Kerry's favorite team was Mizzou. What, what, oh, this is, this is, no, this sir. News to me. Yeah, no, that is, is news. News. <laughs> news to me too. <laughs> no, no. I uh, the, you know, the 49ers, uh, Kyle Juszczyk is is kind of one of the guys that really makes this offense go because they use him in so many ways, and he's not um, just a, a lead block, full, lead blocking fullback. You know, they they split him out wide. He basically plays some tight end. A lot of times they can throw it to him, they can hand it to him. And yeah, he is, uh, Kerry would be very proud that he is, he's a guy who's kind of carrying the torch for fullbacks moving forward because there aren't a lot of them around the league. But Juszczyk is the guy who's in the Pro Bowl every year and really is a, 
a key factor for what they do. Even if you look at the numbers of, you know, their yards per play when he's on the field versus off, uh, it's like a yard difference in, in favor of when he's on the field. So uh, certainly a key component of this, of this team. I actually had never thought of it from Kerry's perspective, but I'm glad, uh, I'm, I'm glad there's someone still carrying the torch for your, for your guys there, Kerry. I am too. I mean, I would have loved to play in this offense just watching what he's able to do, uh, you know, with catching passes out of the backfield, running the ball, lining up in different slots. It, it definitely puts stress on defenses not knowing uh, where he's going. Now, my next question, Nick, is, is solely is selfish because I'm a, a fantasy football player and I need to know the answer to this. Which running back can I choose in my draft? Because San Francisco tends to have one guy and then another guy that next week and then another guy sometimes they have Debo running the ball where am I going is it Elijah Mitchell is he my guy this year see you answered your own question here you should know better by now than to draft a Shanahan running back I know but I'm hoping I'm just hoping I'll give you you the I'll give you the answer two ways Uh, number one Elijah Mitchell is the guy as of right now that they are hoping will be the, the primary back he was last year actually set a 49ers rookie rushing record last year didn't even play he only played 12 games uh, in the regular season, but uh, he went, you know, he had a bunch of injuries last year, little nicks and bruises throughout the season. He actually was playing with broken ribs at the end of the year. Um, and he came back with about five or six extra pounds on him, just trying to bulk up a little bit so that he can take the beating. But I also don't think they're going to try to run him into the ground either, because I think they feel like they need to protect him. So they drafted Tyrion Davis price from LSU in the third round. I think he's going to be more of their short yardage guy. And if you go back to last year, they were really bad short yardage outside of sneak opportunities for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but I say all that to say Kyle Shanahan has been here since 2017. I have been here since 2016, so I've seen every season. They have had a different leading rusher in each of those five seasons under Kyle Shanahan. And Elijah yeah. Mitchell was, was the leader last year. So the history would tell you that it's probably not a safe bet <laughs> that he's going to be the guy this year. So I would say he looks good. And I think there's a chance he will be the guy to break that streak. But I would say proceed with caution on that front. I think Davis Price, actually, he runs really well, runs low, uh, very much a one-cut-and-go you know, one guy, which you have to be in this scheme. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if he's in the mix by, for that uh, at some point along the season. A long-winded way of saying, I don't really know. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, Stay but, away but from I, him is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, would, I would say if you, got, if you get a good bargain, if you think it's a couple rounds later, then you should go by all means pull the trigger. But otherwise, proceed with caution. Gotcha. And finally, Nick, Michelle and I were in Canton to cover Dick Vermeil's induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And we, we were all spoiled as media members by DV, weren't we? He was, he was the best to cover. And man, it was so great. I think he had two hours of sleep between Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and he w- did it all with a smile. What what a deserving Hall of Famer! Yeah, I was really excited for him, and I, obviously he was a little bit before my time uh, in, in terms of covering the league. But I did. I, I have over the years gotten to know him a little bit. In fact, I I spoke to him last year for a story. I'm trying to remember what it was, but uh, you know, he obviously. Uh, has some places out here in, in the Napa Valley, not too far from here, which is very near and dear to his heart. His home isn't far from here. But, yeah, I mean, you talk about somebody who uh, – it was the least surprising thing of all time, A, that he had the longest speech, and B, <laughs> that the speech was mostly comprised of him thanking other people because right. that's just that's just who he is. Is is he, he believes that everything he does and has accomplished is a function of the people that he surrounds himself with. And who wouldn't want to be around Dick Vermeil is how I always look at it. Uh, so it's no surprise at all that he was able to get where he went uh, because he had a lot of good people around him too. And uh, Nick, I, I haven't, I don't think I've mentioned this on the air yet, so I'll tell you and tell everybody at the same time, Mike Martz has moved back here to St. Louis. Hmm. Oh, 
oh, wow, okay. I thought he would never leave San Diego. Yeah, but he's got a couple of daughters here, so he and his wife Julie have, have moved back, and they're back in town. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, that's uh, uh, a, a, in the summertime, a particularly bold move. We did San Diego for St. Louis, but uh, always nice to have Mark, Mike, back in, uh, Mike back in St. Louis for sure. Yeah, he's great. Hey, Nick, we always appreciate your time, and I'm sure as the season goes along, we'll talk to you some more. Have a great day. Have a great training camp, and we'll see you soon. You got it, guys. Good talking to you. Take Thanks. Care. All right. That's our friend Nick Wagner from ESPN.com. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffel Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.